Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Thank you, Tim. I can always count on Tim. I bet you all are wondering why I have a stick right now, right? Well, you're just going to have to find out. It's for my uh, victim, I'm volunteer. So, um, anyway, it's good to be with you all this morning. Um, got a couple of updates for you. Actually, um, if you didn't get your pictures taken, I need to say that again. This is the last day you can get your pictures taken for the directory. And on top of that, I need to let you guys know that uh, Roger is in the hospital right now. He is absolutely fine, just so you guys know. Um, in fact, he's coming home today. Uh, he's getting some tests run and stuff. But uh, Roger, if you're watching this, since this is being live streamed, we love you. Everybody loves you. And uh, make sure you pray for him, okay? So anyway, we are starting... With chapter 12 today, we're in the series Encouragement for the Journey, and uh, that is, it's actually, it was an unfamiliar concept for me when Roger, luckily through the leading of the Holy Spirit, was able to come up with that. I've always looked at the book of Hebrews as a book of correction, but we find, and this is where Roger got this from, I have to point this way, there we go. Hebrews 13.22, I call on you, brothers and sisters, listen patiently to this message of exhortation and encouragement, for I have written to you briefly. So this is a book of encouragement, and when you look at this book in that context, it changes the whole dynamic of the book. And when we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus wanted to encourage, not condemn. That's why he died for us. If we got what we actually deserved, we would have no future in heaven whatsoever. Well, all right. So, we know we're in the book of Hebrews. I'm going to be going in chapter 12 today. But the book itself is basically about not going back to the law. We look at the people that the book was written to, and we're going to get into that here in a little bit. And we know that they were Jews, and they were trying to add things to Christianity because they didn't feel, because of everything they had to live by in the past under the Levitical law and everything else, that it was enough. But this book is telling us that Jesus is enough. Jesus is better. Jesus is the answer. So now we're in chapter 12, and I'm thankful I got this chapter, and I feel like God gave it to me because it's something that I personally am struggling with. And I'm going to be vulnerable to you guys today. I'm going to confess some things to you guys today, and, uh, and, and, and hopefully you don't judge me too much. But if you do, that's okay. God's doing the same thing, so we'll work on it together. Amen? All right, good. All right, so, and on top of that, how many of you guys were here last week? Most of you, Bob stole my thunder last week. He started talking about, this is the run your race chapter, and he started talking about what he was going to preach, which just coincidentally was what I was going to preach, and he used the illustration that all preachers use, so now I can't use that one, of course, you know. So he stole all my thunder, so I'm glad he did, though. I'm thankful for Bob, and I'm thankful God is sovereign, because that's not what God wanted me to do anyway. So I'm not going to be doing the run your race, kind of, Okay. So we'll go to Hebrews chapter 12. Now we're going to focus on verses 1 and 2. I know this is a long chapter, but we're only going to focus on 1 and 2 today. And then when I do my Bible study on Wednesday night to follow this up, we're going to go through the rest of it, okay? All right, so we'll get through this together. Hebrews chapter 12, 
verses 1 and 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily ensnare us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you today, and I want to thank you, Lord, for allowing me to preach your word, Lord. I want to thank you for these wonderful people, Lord, that came out to hear about you and draw closer to you and honor and glorify and worship you, Lord. And I ask you to bless them greatly today, Lord, and the rest of the week. Lord, I don't have anything to offer these people, Lord, in and of myself, Lord, so I need you, Lord. I, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ on myself in this place, Lord. I need a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit power, Lord. Please help me to say all the words that you would have me say, Lord, nothing that I would myself say, Lord. I just want to thank you for all you do in advance, Lord. I love you. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. All right. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now this might surprise you guys, right, by looking at me. And it's okay, you can drink it in, right? <laughs> but I used to be a runner. Ask my parents and my brother. They're over there. I used to be a runner. Now I realize that I am quite literally twice the man I used to be, right? But I used to be a runner. And on fact, on top of that, I was a long-distance runner. I loved ru uh, running long distance. In track in high school, I ran the 800, the 4x8, the mile, and the 2-mile. Now, that's not easy for a guy that's only 5'8". Now, I might be fibbing a little bit on the 5'8", but I'm really close, okay? <laughs> really close. And, you know, you, they don't have... When you do inches, you don't get to put quarters and all that in the medical forms. So it's 5'8", all right? So anyway, so I was a long-distance runner, and there's some things about running that I learned over the years. Not only that, when I was in the Marine Corps, um, General Mattis, you guys all know who General Mattis is, right? Yeah, General Mattis ordered that all infantry guys had to run a minimum of five to six miles a day and then do a 12-mile uh, uh, ruck hike on Fridays, right? So I got really good at running. The farthest I've ever ran in a race was 17 miles. And uh, I'm not going to say I did great, but I finished, okay? So I have some knowledge of running. Now I don't think I could run to my mailbox. But I still know how it works, right? So some things I would experience when I'm running, as I'm sure a lot of you, do we have anybody that's ever competitively ran before, even high school, anything? Okay, so a couple of you guys, you know what I'm talking about. Some things that would happen would be this, tunnel vision. How many of you guys have ever got tunnel vision before, right? Not even running, just regular tunnel vision, right? Now, it's hard to see anything that's not directly in front of you when you have tunnel vision, and that's how you need to be generally when you're running a race, right? In the world, at least. Some things happen. I would get so focused that I would get this tunnel vision, and I would focus on some things. How many of you guys know that breathing is important when you're running a race? Yeah. If you don't, try to run and hold your breath and see how that works out. Um, anyway, what I would do is I had a method. I would do three steps in my nose, three steps out my mouth. Breathe in for three steps, breathe out for three steps. That way, you always want to breathe in your nose and out your mouth when you're running, right? How many of you guys knew that? Okay, two of you. That's awesome. Okay. For the rest of you, I just educated you if you d decide to take up competitive running. So uh, if you need more tips, ask somebody else. I'm not good at it. But I would do that, and I would focus on my stride. I knew my stride needed to be at least four feet, and I'd have to land on the inside of my foot because when you land on the outside, especially on uneven ground, if you're running cross-country or anything like that, you have a good chance of twisting your ankle, your knee, or damaging your hip, 
right? You'll fatigue a lot faster because you're stretching those ligaments and those connective tissues a lot more. So you got to focus on that. And you got to focus on the people that are running the race with you. Why? Because I was never great at running. So I was never the pace setter. So I had to watch everybody else to see how fast I needed to run and where I was at, my position, and where I'm going, where, where my goals were, what my path was. It was important. I needed to know my route. You see, it's easy to forget about everything else that's going on in your life while you're running the race. You guys see where I'm going with this? All right, praise the Lord. It's easy to forget about everything else you have going on in your life when you just focus on running the race. The race is important. The work is in, uh, for God is important. The urgency is important. There are so many important things, but it is not everything. In fact, without the rest, it's nothing. Hear me now. I know that's pretty controversial to say that, right? But if you don't figure this out, it's going to mess up everything, like it has in my life. You see, the problem with people and the book of Hebrews, you know, who it was written to, is that they wanted to add to things. And honestly, a lot of us today, we kind of do the same thing, right? Um, I don't really want to get into, uh, I will anyway. We'll get into that in a minute. See, the old covenant was about working and constantly working and doing more and accomplishing more and being more spiritual and all of those things. But what they missed is by the book of Hebrews, especially by chapter 12, we were trying to tell there, Paul was, I think it was Paul personally that wrote the book of Hebrews. You guys can argue about that later. But what he was trying to do is say, don't go back to all of those things because Jesus is better. He was saying... It's not working. There we go. He's saying, don't go back. Don't go back to the Ten Commandments. Don't go back to the law. Don't go back to all the traditions that the Jews invented in the last 400 years when they didn't have this, the Spirit of God talking to them. They didn't have the presence of God anymore for those 400 years. They invented so much stuff. That's where the Sadducees and the Pharisees came from. God is saying, don't go back to that because there's something new. Jesus is more. Not only is he more, he's everything. Jesus is enough. You don't need all that other stuff. And in and of itself, those things aren't bad. Like I said the last service, if you want to follow the dietary restrictions that are laid out in Leviticus, you'll probably be healthier. But it's not required because Jesus is enough. It's not on us. We don't sanctify ourselves like they tried to do by the law. Jesus' blood sanctified us. So we don't have to do anything. Now we should. I always say you work from grace, not for grace, right? That's right. But I have to confess some things to you guys today, right? How many of you guys are okay with me being vulnerable? I am not comfortable being vulnerable, by the way. But I feel led to, to tell you guys some things today. I am a guilt-driven person. How many of you guys are guilt-driven people in here? Now, why is that, Josh? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because I didn't get saved till I was 27 years old. And I did some horrible things. I was horrible to my parents for years. Uh, in war, I did some horrible things. And God forgave me of those, amen? All of those. They're under the blood. God doesn't even remember them. The only person who remembers them is me. And I forgave myself of those things through the grace of God. But subconsciously, for some reason, 
I always have to try to make up for those things. And because of that, I have a hard time saying no to people. Anybody identify with that at all? You guilt-driven people know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not a bad thing. It makes you a better servant in a lot of ways. But because of that, I'm constantly busy, and it's sinful. Now, how, I, I, you're probably wondering, well, Josh, how can serving people and doing things for the church and all those things be sinful? Let me tell you how. In the last month and a half, my daughter's sitting right there. My son's with Miss Robin, my wife's somewhere. She's right there, too. Isabel will tell you I haven't really done anything with her or Remington in the last month and a half. Nothing. My brother's in town right now with his girls, which are sitting right there. They only come in once a year. I haven't really spent any time with them. Why? Because I'm too busy doing good things. I'm too worried about working. I'm too worried about this. And you may not be doing ministry. You might be working a lot of hours so that you can feel like you're providing for your family. And you might need to work long hours to pay the bills and stuff like that. But those bills are not as important as your children are. I promise you right now, they're not as important as your family is. And that is sin that I am confessing to you right now. I apologize to my family. You know, Kayla said something about a month or two ago, and she started talking about uh, Isabella's friends at school. And I realized that I didn't know a single one of my kids' friends. I couldn't name one if my life depended on it right now, other than the neighbor kids. Because they have such weird names that I just remember them. I think it's Leopold, um, Uziel, and um, what's the last one, Kayla? Huckleberry. That's easy to remember, right? They're a cool family. They just moved here from, uh, I think, Alabama, but they were in Alaska before that. Cool family. And uh, I really like them a lot. But I have neglected my family. I haven't spent any time with them. Um, It's sinful. But here's what happens when you get working too hard. Not only does your time with your family suffer, your time with your friends suffers. I've had friends call me and be like, man, I haven't heard from you in months. What's going on? I'm like, oh. I don't know, man. Just I've been busy. I haven't really thought about it. Everybody says they've been busy, though, right? So your friends don't really believe that. But you know what's really suffered? My walk with God. Trying to do good things for God has caused my walk with God to suffer. And you know who caused that? This guy. I went from trying to pray and read my Bible, you know, to actually spend some deep time with God, to now I might read my Bible for five or ten minutes, pray for ten minutes or whatever, and that's my day. And I'm like, you know what, later on today when I get done working, I'm going to pray and read my Bible a little bit more, right? How many of you guys have been there? How many times does that actually happen? I get home, I take a shower, I eat something, and I pass out. I'm tired. Because I get home a lot at like nine o'clock at night. That doesn't happen all the time, but it happens a lot especially the last couple of, of, of months. It's been really busy. But it's been sinful. My studying has suffered. My prayer life, my walk with God has suffered. I am doing so great in my race that the rest of my life has fallen apart. Now, I mean, don't, don't take that to mean my life is literally falling apart. My marriage is great. My ministry is great. Everything's great. But it's chaotic. Because I'm not following what God has wanted me to do. And I'm in sin because of that. And I'm confessing it to you guys today. Because you know what? There's no difference between here and there. We all have sin in our lives. We all have problems. But I'm thankful that, that 
Roger followed the leadership of the Holy Spirit and gave me this assignment for Hebrews chapter 12 because God needed to get a hold of me. And I imagine that he needs to get a hold of a lot of you too. So let me show you guys something cool, okay? So how many of you guys are in every word Bible kind of person? I am an every word type of person. I believe that the word of God is divinely inspired. I believe that God was intentional in every jot and every tittle, every comma. Everything that God says in his word, I think, is purposeful. And there's a reason for it. But it says that we need to run our race, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? We talked about it in Hebrews chapter 1 and 2. We need to run our race, right? Can you help me out up there? Okay. Run your race. But you need to learn to walk with God. Listen to me now. Run your race, but walk with God. Let me show you some things in the Bible that, that prove that point, okay? Ephesians 4.1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which ye are called. Micah 6.8, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Enoch walked with God, Genesis 5, 23 and 24. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch was the only other person besides Elijah that was called up in the heaven without dying. Noah walked with God, Genesis 6, 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Abraham walked with God, Genesis 17, 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Levi walked with God, Malachi 2, 4 through 6. Then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue says the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him, one of life and peace, and I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and turned many away from iniquity. Levi walked with God. So we're looking for balance. We have to find that balance in our lives. And I'll have to, I tell you, when we walk with God, we're getting to know him more. Let me ask you guys a question. Has everyone in here at least ran one time in their life? Okay. Who has not? Okay, fair enough. Everybody in here has ran. Has anyone ever tried to hold a conversation with somebody when you're running hard? Okay, we have one person. And what was that like? <laughs> it's not exactly that easy to hold a conversation and get to know somebody when all your air is being used for your muscles, right? It's true. And your brain is processing faster because you have to, you're, you're, you're moving faster than you normally move. Your body is burning What if you were to slow down every once in a while? Would it be a little easier to talk to God? Would it be a little easier to spend time with your family? Would it be a little easier to talk to your friends, to do your ministry sometimes if you slowed down? 
When you slow down to a walk, it means you get quality time with God. It means you get quality time with your family. It means you get to refocus. And you can apply these things to all aspects of your life. We're supposed to run that race. But there are times when we're supposed to walk too. I can't imagine running back in track, even though it was a while ago, granted. I can't imagine running the mile and then not getting a break and running the two mile. I wouldn't be so successful at that point against people that had rested. I wasn't that successful in the first place, so it would be absolutely terrible. But you need that rest. That rest is necessary. And who is our rest? Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith is our rest. Remember when Roger preached about that? That was so convicting to me. When Roger preached that about Jesus being our rest, and he said that uh, he was talking about... um, and I might be misquoting all this, and I'm sorry, Roger, if you're watching this, uh, but my intentions are well. But he was talking about his son when he was coming up to church one time, and he said, Dad, I'll see you tomorrow. You guys remember that? And he goes, no, 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 I'm going to be back in a little bit. He goes, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow, Dad. Man, that, that hit me right in the feels, you know. Because I don't spend any time with my kids. I don't know my kids' friends. I really don't know what they're into. That is sinful. And I'm going to correct that today. I'm fixing that. In fact, I fixed it last night. So I would like to say publicly to my daughter, to my wife, to my son, which isn't in here right now, I'm sorry. I was wrong, and that was, that was sinful of me. And a lot of you need to do the exact same thing. We need to refocus. We need to rest. We have to find that balance. All right, can you go to the next slide because this isn't working? All right, that's definitely not the next slide. That's like five slides forward. Okay, let's try it again. I think there's a delay on this thing. <laughs> Proverbs 11:1: one, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. I want you guys to thank those of you that have read the Bible through and through, you know. What are some things that God calls an abomination? I don't want you to shout them out. Things, horrible things that God calls an abomination. And he says a balance, a false balance is an abomination. It doesn't seem like it should be something in there. But it is so important, and I'm going to show you guys it too. It is not an easy thing to have a balance. In 12 years of ministry, I have never figured it out. I haven't figured out a balance. But I owe it to my family, I owe it to God, I owe it to my ministries, and all those kind of things that I have to figure out those things or they're never going to be as successful as God wants them to be. My family is never going to be as good as God intends it to be, a relationship, until I figure that out. Am I saying that it's got to be perfect? Absolutely not. I don't think you'll ever have perfect balance in your life. I don't think anybody will. Besides Jesus. Amen? That's right. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. i got to be honest with you guys. There's been a lot of times, especially the last couple months, I've been weary in well-doing. I've been so tired that I'm like, I remember one time at the Pacific Campus, because, I mean, in the morning I'm at our farm, and then I go work at the Pacific Campus, or I'm doing ministry somewhere, or we're working at the Peace Pantry, or we're dealing with our other ministries, or there's just a million things that have to be done, And we're always busy. 
But there's been times during that. One time last week, I just had to call Austin, which we're working over, and I was like, I'm so tired, man. I just, I need a break for tonight. I was exhausted. I'd worked out in the sun, splitting wood all day. And then the day before, I'd worked 16 hours, and I was just exhausted. And I was getting weary and well-doing. Why? Because I wasn't resting in the Lord. I was just running that race so hard that I wasn't taking any breaks. Breaks for my family, breaks for God, breaks for all these things. How many of you guys are busy all the time? Your kids are only young once. It's not easy to run a race when you've lost your balance. So with that, I'm going to do an illustration. That's what the stick's for. Okay? Now, um, Nick's wife said that he would love to do this illustration again. So we're going to have Nick come up. Unless anybody else wants to volunteer for it. But I would not if I were you. Um, so we're going to do a little different than last time because Nick has impeccable balance. We do not want Nick to have impeccable balance. Okay, do you have insurance, by the way? Okay. You know, it's, it's sinful to take, uh, you, know, m- you know, other believers to law, right? The Bible says, right? Okay, I just want to make sure that you're aware of that. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to have Nick run his race without balance. Okay, so here's your stick, Nick. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to count to 10... And then Nick is going to drop his stick. Last time I had him walk, but he did such a good time. I'm going to, our job, I'm going to have him jog this time to the back of the auditorium and back up to me, okay? And you do have insurance. insurance. You do have insurance. Perfect. Okay. You have Aflac in case you miss work? You do not have that. Okay. Well, we'll figure something out. All right. So Nick is going to put his forehead on the stick, and we are going to count each rotation until he gets to 10. Then Nick is going to drop the stick and take off running to the back of the auditorium because Nick is going to run his race like me without balance, all right? Is everybody behind this? Who is as excited as I am about this? Okay, praise the Lord for willing people. All right, okay, let's go. One, two, you guys are supposed to count two. Three, four. Five. Let's go to 12. Six. Seven. Eight. Faster. Nine. Ten. Eleven. Twelve. Now drop it and run. <laughs> All right, come back. Faster. Okay, everybody give Nick a round of applause. Thank you, Nick. I know you all could have visualized that, but it's way funnier that way, right? So, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm thankful for Nick. We actually had really good conversation last night. We were both working at the Pacific Campus together, and so uh, thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. you being willing. So there's some things that we need to be able to find balance in our lives, right? Especially for you guilt-driven people like me. So... Okay, it went... Okay, yeah, no, we're good. Look to God, not to people, for your priorities. Look to God, not to people, for your priorities. I am more guilty of this than anybody I know. Not saying that, that's not, that's not a good statement, by the way. That's a bad statement. That, that is a dig on me. I have a really hard time saying no to people. And it's because I'm guilt-driven. But Jesus knew his priorities. 
And um, he would find out those priorities by spending time with, our, his, our, with the Father. I want you to look carefully at this. Okay, there we go. Mark 1, 35 through 38. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, before, or because for this purpose I have come forth. Now we have to look at what's written there, right? It seems like a kind of an obscure passage, but it's so important for finding balance in our lives. It says, Everyone is looking for you. Now the disciples had already found him. Who were the disciples talking about? It wasn't the other disciples. It was everywhere Jesus went, throngs of people followed him. And what did those people want? They wanted to hear from the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. They wanted to hear from him. They wanted to see the healing. They wanted to see the miracles. No doubt there was lame people, people with the palsy, people that were demon-possessed, that only Jesus could cast out those things. There was people that had needs that only Jesus could meet. And he said, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. That's interesting, isn't it? Interesting that Jesus left all of those people. But how could Jesus walk away from the needs that only he could meet? Listen to me now. How could Jesus leave the people with the needs that only he could meet? It's a good question, isn't it? Anybody got an answer? Okay. It's because the Father had different priorities for Jesus than simply a healing ministry. The healing are balanced, the teaching. Just like we need to have balance in our lives. If Jesus would have spent all his time doing what the people wanted to do, we would have a healer, not a savior. Jesus was so focused on our eternal issues that he couldn't just focus on those things that were in this life. Listen, if Jesus only focused on what people wanted, we wouldn't have an eternity. We would have a healer, not a savior. It's important. Jesus found his priorities by looking to the Father. Even though the people would have preferred Jesus to choose differently, he decided to please the Father and said. Now this quote I'm going to start using a lot because I get phone calls constantly for people needing me to do stuff. And that's fine. I don't mind doing stuff. But I'm going to have to say no to some of them. And I'm going to find out who by praying about it. By looking in scripture about it. By asking my wife and counseling with her because she's very smart spiritually and she keeps me balanced a lot better than I do. I'm going to talk to my pastor, Roger. I'm going to talk to other friends in the ministry. I'm going to figure those things out how God wants me to. But there's a great quote. God's priorities for you and people's expectations of you will seldom go in tandem. I'm going to say that again. God's priorities for you and people's expectations of you will seldom go in tandem. God has already laid out our priorities in life, in general at least. And what's priority number one? I'm pointing. God, that's right. Second is our family. Third is church and ministry and friends and so on and so forth, our work, all these things. 
But God is number one, family's number two, and I put that work, that race, before my family so often. And it's sinful. Number two. Yeah. Say no so that you can say yes. I say yes to so many things, I get so busy that I have to say no to things I've already said yes to. It gets confusing. My son and me were out at the farm, was that yesterday or the day before, Kayla? Day before, yes, Friday, we were out at the farm, and Remington never stops talking. I don't know where he gets that from. <laughs> Probably Kayla. Uh, but uh, he always asks superhero questions and weird questions, right, constantly. It's just question after question. It's incessant. But it's okay because he's a sponge and he's learning, right? And he goes, Daddy, if you had three wishes from a genie, what would you wish for? And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll indulge you this time, you know, even though you've asked me that question 8,000 times. And I said, well, I said, I think I'd first wish for unlimited money because I could do a lot of good with that money and I could buy a big hunting property. It would be awesome probably with a river so I could fish too and put a boat ramp in. And of course I need a boat, another, another boat. And I said, second, I said, I don't want or need to sleep anymore. That's what I want. I don't want to need to sleep anymore because I don't have enough time in the day to get stuff done, spend time with God, spend time to my family and eat, okay? And bathe, which I do bathe every day. Don't worry, okay? <laughs> But then I started thinking about that wish. I'm like, did I really just wish that I wouldn't have to sleep because I do so much that I don't have time to do other stuff? That's kind of silly because I control that, but I'm not. And I said third, of course, that I want every, every superpower from every superhero ever. So, which I think is a good wish, right? That would be pretty cool. And I wouldn't have to buy gas anymore either. Just pick up the car and fly it. But say no so that you can say yes. Jesus said no so that he could say yes to what was most important. And what was most important, even though those people thought it was their, their deficiencies and the miracles and all those things, what Jesus was, was, was so focused on was their eternity and teaching and bringing his gospel to other people that aren't, haven't heard it. They were there because they'd already heard it and they knew what he could do and they wanted to see more. But Jesus knew there was people that were in need for a savior, not just a healer. It's only by getting our priorities from prayer and scripture that we will be able to make confident, now listen to me, confident decisions in the face of overwhelming demands. And that's what a lot of our lives, especially in this digital age and how fast-paced everything is compared to 20 or 30 years ago, I wish the internet never was created, honestly. Because, and cell phones. Because it's just made our lives so fast-paced. And that's the greatest way to put it, is overwhelming demands that are placed on all of us. We can choose a lot of good things, but we end up missing the best things, the essential priorities. And don't fall for that lie that I have fallen for for the last 12 years, and it's this. A good Christian should never say no to legitimate needs. Listen to that. A good Christian should never say no to legitimate or needs. That is a lie of the devil. Because if those needs outweigh your family, then you're in sin. And I am too. If those needs outweigh your relationship with God, then they're of the devil. 
I shouldn't say that. But if you do that and you put prioritize that before God, then that's of the devil. That's what I should say. But only when we know what to say yes to can we say no to everything else. I once heard this someone say this. Balance is like a pendulum. It's that brief moment in the middle when you're swinging from one extreme to the other. Just when it crosses that plane, part of our pursuit of balance contains the realization that it is never perfectly achieved. I am so thankful that I serve a God that every morning when I wake up, I get to try that balance thing anew. God doesn't care what I did yesterday. God cares what I do today. And I'm thankful for the throne of grace that every time that I kneel before God, I can reset that pendulum and try to hit that middle again. Because God cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. When God looks at me, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. I'll never, on this side of heaven, reconcile that, that when God sees me, he sees righteousness. He sees perfection. I know it's because of the blood, but when I see myself, I can't see that. So it's hard to reconcile God's view of me with my view of me. But I'm thankful that we have that. The pursuit of balance is what the goal is. Not balance itself will never achieve perfect balance. The pursuit of it is what is important. So don't be frustrated with the constant effort. So only when we know what to say yes to can we say no to everything else. And how do we determine our priorities? Through prayer and the word of God. That's how you determine them. How do you get wisdom? Wisdom is the practical application of knowledge. Where do you get knowledge? From the Bible, from the Word of God. You can't just pray for wisdom and expect to get wisdom. This is wisdom. And the Holy Spirit deals with that with you and imparts that wisdom through knowledge. But only then can we have balance and truly run a race. So with all that being said, if I can get this to work... That's not it. I should have hit that one already. With all that being said, run your race, but learn to walk with God, and I promise you it will change your Christianity. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you, and I want to thank you, Lord. I want to thank you for these people, Lord. I want to thank you for this message. I should have blessed them greatly, Lord. Help them to have a safe weekend, especially their children, Lord, with fireworks and everything, Lord. I should have hedged them about. Please touch them. Thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The altars are open. A couple of things. If you're a visitor here today, and um, if you would, in your bulletin, if you got a bulletin, there is an area in there. If you would fill that out so we'd have a record of you being here. If you're a visitor and you're not a member of this church and you are looking for a place to join, we would love to have you. You just come up and tell somebody. Tell somebody in the back. There's someone for you to tell. Maybe you're saved and you're a member of this church well, or you're saved and you haven't been baptized yet. We would love to help you with that too. You know, the Bible says that, that uh, once you're saved, that the first command of God is to get baptized. And if you're not, we would love to see that happen so God can further work in your life. And most of all, if you're not saved today, if you don't know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, today is the perfect day. Now is the time the Bible says, for you to get that right. Come see one of us in the back.